Welcome to Behavioral Health Today, a podcast brought to you by the Triad Network. This podcast is designed to share trending topics occurring within the world and our communities and bring them a behavioral and mental health perspective. Welcome to Behavioral Health Today, a Triad production. I'm your producer, Peter Fenger, and I have the pleasure of welcoming you to today's episode. In our show, we'll resume our conversation with our host, Dr. Graham Taylor, and his guest, Brian Lowry, in their conversation around privilege and moral opportunity. In our last episode, we asked, what if you could change the word privilege into something that wasn't so reactionary, and defined privilege as aspirational, almost virtuous opportunities that strive for collective transcendence? We discussed how defensiveness and the feelings of guilt, shame, and avoidance towards privilege deprives us of a richer life, and how appropriately identifying our privilege will direct our actions to steward our lives in creating a better world. And lastly, we discussed what a more just and equitable world would look like allowing differences between people to contribute to society and their natural talents to flourish because of equitable access and how, in modern times, we should have a minimal level of life quality. We'll resume our talk today by discussing societal organization and the collective production of social good. You know what's funny about this is that, you know, I'm in the business school. I'm, I'm a psychologist by training and temperament. <laughs> I teach in the, the business school. And, and what's interesting about this is what we're really talking about is how do we distribute both the demands that of society, like what, what needs to be done, what, what do we need to produce and how we compensate, how we compensate people for that. Right. In some ways, I know a lot of my colleagues in the business school would argue that the best thing that we have is capitalism because it attempts to do this. That's exactly mm -hmm. what they would say. Right. That, mm -hmm. and this is, you know, this is more, well, this is exactly what a kind of a, a free market capitalist would argue is that what you're really trying to do is use what people, people's interests are dictating what other people get compensated for what they contribute. Right. So I, just, I don't know. I just, I, I don't know if that takes us anywhere. It's just, it just struck me that what we're really talking about is how do we organize society, mm -hmm. right? That we, as a society, produce social goods that we collectively, no one person does that. We collectively as a society produce social goods. I mean, that could be Everything from we produce enough food in the world to feed, should be able to feed almost everyone or everyone, I believe. Mm -hmm. We produce medicines that help people save people's lives. And no one person can do any of these things. It's done collectively. Mm -hmm. And the question is, how do we distribute the goods that are produced? And I think that's where it ends up being complicated because it's not clear that you want to, everything should be distributed equally. But then how do you ensure that the system that is produced also meets some moral requirement. Yes. N not just a sense of a perfect frictionless, as my colleagues would say, market kind of ideal, but also that it, it matches the moral intuitions that most human beings share. I think that most human beings do have a shared moral intuition. Mm-hmm about what could be right, about what could be better. You're, you're, you're again redirecting us to this idea that this is a societal construct here. These, this is how our society is kind of been constructed. And we have this opportunity with the things that we are born with to recognize what we can contribute, but also to take a look at what society is. You talked in our first show about we are all societal participants. 
and we get to ask, what is my application? What's my opportunity here? Let's raise it above that. Given my moral commitments that I'm committing to, my moral compass that I want to see the world in a certain way and identify those things that we find morally objectionable and to do something about it. And to, in that, don't deprive ourselves by seeing ourselves separate from one another, but instead on an opportunity together to engage in a more participant way, living a much richer life individually and collectively. Yeah, I think that's right. I think also, you know, in addition to thinking as an individual about how do you participate, I think sometimes it's important to remember the way things are, there's there's nothing magical or given about the way things are. The way things are are that are because we've mm-hmm. structured it this way. That's right. That we live in the society that we've created. There's nothing, you know, God given about the way it, it is. Yeah, it wasn't right? done to us. We we've yeah. done it ourselves. Yeah. We so we can undo it. it. You know, if, yeah. if we condition it, so we can we we can recondition or uncondition it to something better. Yeah, and I sometimes I I, I lament the lack of imagination in terms of the way society could be structured. I think that for most people, you know, day-to-day people are trying to live their lives. They're trying to make it. They want the best for their families, their loved ones. We started like, you're going to go out and buy gifts for Christmas, right? We were just talking about that because you want to be connected to the people that you love and love you and you care for, and you want the best for them. And that's laudable. And I think that's how we typically live our lives day-to-day, moment-to-moment. And I think it's harder to think about where that fits, how that fits in the larger system that we occupy, right? Is that enough to create the world that you want to live in? Is that mm. sufficient? Like, so let's assume that to live the kind of life you'd like to live, to be the person you want to be, it's necessary to engage with the people you love in a particular way. But then there's another question, which is, is that sufficient to produce the world that you want to live in? Is that enough? And I think that people don't, for obvious reasons, often go beyond that, right? They don't they yeah. don't think as hard about how they're participating in the construction of the larger systems as they do about the kind of local things they do right. and the people they care about. We'll be right back after word from our sponsor. Whether you're a longtime or first-time listener to Behavioral Health Today, you're probably familiar with Triad, the company that brings you this podcast. But you may not know that Triad also hosts a community for current and aspiring behavioral and mental health professionals, featuring trending content and education and career resources, all for free. If you are a behavioral or mental health professional, or you're studying to become one, join more than 80,000 people on Triad by claiming your free professional account today. Visit us at hellotriad.com bht. That's hellotriad.com bht. And join the Triad community today. So again, it's not about blaming someone for wanting to take care of the things that are important to them immediately. Not whatsoever. Again, this is this is this is this whole artistic way you have of coming at this. But what you're encouraging is, but what's on the other side of the coin? What's the other side? And what if we look outside of ourselves, outside of our families, to those around us that do impact us? That you know, I venture to say, our brothers and sisters as well. Why why are they not? Yeah, now I was going to say that it's the other thing that sometimes is lost is you could, you could ask a question, which is, is the way you take care of the people close to you and you love, does that a, create a world that you want them to live in? And so I, and I'll make that more concrete. So I had a conversation recently where we were talking, I was talking to someone about 
his kids and, you know, his kids going to a certain school. He lived, he lives in a nice neighborhood, great schools. And there was a conversation that came up in the schools about redistricting or moving some kids around, changing schools. And this, the parents were concerned that a variety of things that their schools would get, would be less good, that property values might go down. So these things that could affect them. And what he said, which I found really interesting is he, he's someone who really cares deeply about social justice. And he understood how the redistricting would really be a reallocation of resources in a way that was aligned with what he believed was right. Mm -hmm. And he also said, like, he didn't even really care about property values. Like, I have enough equity in my home. It doesn't matter. And if that's a a cost I have to pay for a better world, like, that's a a reasonable trade from his perspective. He was happy to do it. What was hard for him was the possibility that his kids' schools would not be as good. Mm. Right? And... And here's an example of something where like, I completely understand that. And that's a local concern. You like, you want the best for your kids. You're concerned about the quality of their education. Of course, like you should be. That's what a good parent would do. On the other side of that, if you are someone who then continues to work against producing a more just society, so your child has a higher level of education than someone else or they would otherwise, you're helping your child, yes, but are you creating a world that you want your child to inhabit? Right. Would, and so that's that tension is just it's just striking to me where you can yeah. see in a local way, like in this clear way, I want the best for my child. Right. And wanting the best for your child might be might be at odds with producing a society that you would feel good about your child living in. So the, so the challenge here is how do we do both? How do we take care of those that we're responsible for, like say our children, our loved ones, et cetera, and at the same time have a heart for and be willing to pay some costs towards that other side of how do we address the time, the things that are going to be disadvantaged or, or less than, how do we do both? What, what would be your answer to that? Yeah, you know, I I'm a faculty member, so I don't I don't have answers. I just have questions. <laughs> You're supposed to have the answers, brother. That's that's what I'm. <laughs> um, I, I guess what I would say is I would change the question a little bit and say, Let's do it. What does it mean to want the best for your, the people close to you? Like, so I think that when we say that, we'd say like, obviously, the best is, and I I presented it this way: the best is them having the highest level of education. Is mm-hmm. is that wanting the best for them? I mean, I don't I don't. No, I mean, maybe, See, but, but yeah, I think, but therein lies a challenge. Though. I mean, wh- why wouldn't we want the best for each one of us? And you're, you're, you're raising this question of what costs are we willing to sustain and, 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 and pay? And what if we could do both? What if we could want the best and also raise up those things? This is the other side of the coin, raise up those things that are not the best without having to tolerate being in something or putting, let's say in this case, you're talking about our children is something that's not the best that they could be in. That's a hard one right there. Yeah, it is. I guess, I guess I'd want to understand what is, what is a cost? So I'll, I'll give another stark example that, that kind of flips this. Imagine you have a situation, you live in a country where there's an, an incredible amount of inequality. Often in, in those situations, the people who are well off become afraid that people who are not well off and assume for, ob- for obvious reasons, right? So you end up with more barbed wire, 
higher fences, you know, gated communities, all these things, because you recognize that people that aren't doing well and given how well you're doing might try to come and take stuff from you. Would you rather live in a world where your child in the future is going to live in a, a beautiful home, but have high fences and barbed wire and, and guard dogs and, and can't walk their neighborhood, you know, without concern or a modest home, but a neighborhood where they can walk around without fear and interact with people around them. I you think, can even say who, which, 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 which group's going to be the happier. I can, I can uh, share a quick tag onto that. My youngest daughter is from Cambodia, Cambodia. And when we went over there to adopt her when she was 11 months old, we were in a hotel given the nature of the city we were in that had the barbed wire. And it was, it was a kind of just a, this little Shangri-La type hotel where it was just in the middle of intense poverty. And we looked over the walls and there's these dirt streets and, you know, people urinating in the streets and just truly abject poverty. And we were out in the community quite a bit, going out to the to the orphanage where she was was, was born and, and where she was raised for the first 11 months. And we interacted with a number of people. And it was interesting because those within the walls, I didn't experience as being very happy. They were afraid at times. They were, there was a sense of an uneasiness. But those on the outside, in, in the poverty that they were in, they were some of the friendliest kindest, giving people. They had nothing, but they were responsive. And I'm not saying it's because of their poverty, but they found something of meaning in that. Quite a, quite a contrast, isn't it? Mm -hmm. And I guess, and this is, I guess the, the question is, is it about giving people the most, like the, your loved ones, your, your kids, the biggest material advantage you can give them? I mean, it's not, I wouldn't say it's not about providing material support, but what role does the kind of role you're participating in or creating play in how you assess the cost and benefits of the way you engage the people you love? Like, and I think that we don't, we don't consider that. And again, I understand why it's, it's abstract and it's, you know, it's further away from you. But there are times when those th two things come into close contact as an example, right? Like nimbyism, like not in my backyard. Nobody wants to have more housing, for example, close to them. And nobody wants more homelessness. Well, there's a tension. You know what I mean? Like the, yeah. the, those two things are related in obvious ways. And I think sometimes we focus on the local, immediate, personal cost and benefits and don't understand that we also are paying costs at a, a higher social level, that we, we see ourselves as somehow separate from the systems we inhabit. And I yeah. think that's problematic. Yeah. I think there is tension in that. And ideally we can say, how do we do both? And, you know, mm -hmm. how do we, how do we do both? And I think, I think answers from that ideally come from conversations like you and I are having today. And I really appreciate it. You know, I, um, I'd like our listeners to have an opportunity to learn more about what we're talking about in some literature. You've got some great resources and you've got done some good writings. And I encourage you, our listeners, to take a look at Brian. I'm going to ask you, Brian, to give us some resources and also ways for folks to get in touch with you or to learn more about you and the things you've written. Give us some resources that they can follow up on, would you? 
Yeah. So I also do a podcast. So yes. if people are interested in just the perspective and having conversations about all sorts of things. Most recently, at the changing nature of work. I have a podcast called Know What You See, K-N-O-W, Know What You See. Also, I'm, I just finished a book. Yes, the book is, Selfless, uh, The yes, Social indeed. Creation of You. Yes, <laughs> yes. Good <That's>, for you. <laughs> thank you, thank you. I, I didn't know that that day would come when it would be an actual completed book, but Congratulations. it's here. That's thank awesome. You. So that that book is is really associated with the things that we're talking about here. It's It talks about how we as individuals are a part of and inextricably linked to mm. societies we inhabit and the people we interact with, how we are created by and create others. So it really delves deeply into what it means to be a self and in a social system in a society and how we how that can change how we think about our lives. Nice. So I, I hope I, I hope people check that out and Good enjoy answer. that. So yes, selfless. So like that, that it's available. You can buy it now, but it it doesn't the physical book won't be available until March. So on March twenty eighth, the physical book will be available. I'm also just recently working on a a new institute at Stanford. So that was just announced yesterday. So I am co-directing a, a new institute on race and society. It's yet to be named, but it really is about thinking about how human groupings affect the way people live and thinking about how we can interact collaboratively, like the academy, people who do research can engage with people who work on the ground in all kinds of spaces to address these kind of inequities that we see around the world in the U.S. and all over the world. So everything from how global migration is affecting democracy yeah. to how race affects educational opportunity. So it really is meant to be broad and ambitious and open to really trying to address some of the issues that we discussed today. How do we make the world a, a more equitable, just place where people can thrive? Congratulations on that. That's uh, that's you. noteworthy. Really Thank good. You. If people want to follow up with you through Stanford, you got some links on there for your writings. Uh, give us a quick resource around that too, would you? And we're going to put these on our site. Indeed. So if you go to my podcast website, knowwhatyouseecom you can you can get all of the things that I'm, I've written. There'll be the links to the book up there. Um, and I also have a website at Stanford. So if you go to my name, Brian Lowry, L-O-W-E-R-Y in Stanford, you'll see my my GSB website and it has the academic writings are up there. You can, if you're interested in the the papers that I that I write that are more professionally focused and technical, that that's there as well. So all that stuff, I'm I'm pretty easy to find. That's where I would go to the to the know what you see website and the Stanford website. And I hope relatively soon we'll have a website up for the new Institute on Race. So that's Very brand good. new. So we're working on that now. Very good. Well, Brian, I appreciate you and I, and I appreciate the work you're doing. You make these topics that we're discussing safe and inviting with the way you come at it and the way you very gently, but in a nice, assertive, nudging way, encourage us to take a deeper look at these things. So thank you so much for what you're doing. And it's always great to have you on the show. Thanks for being with us. Thank you, Graham. I really appreciate it. And I, I love the way you approach these topics as well. So thanks for creating the space and for inviting me back. Well, I appreciate that. I also want to thank you, our listeners, for joining Brian and me today. I want to remind you that this episode and its resources 
And all of our other shows can be found on our webpage at triadhq.com slash BHT. So visit our website if you would, triadhq.com slash BHT. Thanks again for being with us and we'll look forward to having you back with us next time on Behavior Health Today. We appreciate all the support from our community. And if you like our show, one of the best ways you can support it is by giving us a five-star rating and leaving a review. Behavioral Health Today is a podcast part of the Tribe Network, all rights reserved.